The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hello, everyone. So glad to have you along with us on Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network, coming to you in Gainesville, Ocala, the Villages, and our studios in Orlando. And it is so great to have once again on the line with me, one of our guests that we just enjoy having whenever he can come by, and that is Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. Welcome back, Dave. Hi, Mike. It kind of feels like old home week, doesn't it? I get to do this a lot now with you, and I'm really grateful for every opportunity. So thank you very, very much for making us feel so welcome on the Shepherd Network. Well, we are happy to have you along, and it does feel like family when you're around. You and Debbie both are very meaningful to us, and what you're doing, I have of uh, late in particular so enjoyed the public square, uh, the things you've been talking about, and the as we kind of we're kind of pivoting right now. In in our country, uh, in uh, in in uh, just a month, we're going to be having the midterm elections, and so a lot could change. And many people are hoping for lots of change that will be uh, reflected on that day. So I know you guys have been busy, and there's this thing called iVoters.com. We want to definitely cover that today. But you asked me a question before the program, and it was what's, what kind of theme, what kind of scripture is on my mind? And it happened to be that uh, the justice of God was there, and that's, uh, that's because of um, listening to Al Mohler's The Briefing. I enjoy that podcast and it, it's a it's a, like a mind a jolting kind of a way to start the day, and so as we as we uh, kind of go along, I'd love your thoughts on that whole topic as well, especially since the Supreme Court just began their new term, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of stuff comes from this uh, particular group with a new justice in tow. Well, speaking of an American model. We've been about two minutes into a broadcast together, and we've already spoken about at least two branches of our government. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and we, we, we've talked about the fact that we've got big elections, and of course, they're starting in early voting uh, it, right on top of us. And so um, we will talk about iVoters, uh, but we've talked about the elections, so those are federal elections. Uh, we've talked about the United States court system so there's two of our three branches of mm -hmm. government i'm yeah. pretty sure we'll get into discussing things happening from the white house uh, so we'll have three branches of our government and at the same time we're talking about elections that will impact our state representation in florida as as well as in some cases there'll be local issues and and state ballot issues as well so here we are in a system of government that is designed to produce justice and liberty for all, uh, liberty and justice for all under the rule of law. And the first thing that we can see is that our system is assembled of broken pieces. What I mean by that is recognizing the fall of man as the framers of the Constitution did, and that the essential fall of man is complete 
in the idea that we human beings left to our own devices somehow, some way will always fall down because we're not strong enough to actually secure justice in and of ourselves, that we're not strong enough to protect liberty for all, even on ourselves, because as fallen people, we will fall in sin. And so recognizing that and recognizing that the creator is the one who gave us his identity and thus our identity, and that we live in a system that's fallen at the same time, we built a system of government based upon his principles, taking full recognition of the fallen nature of man and pleading to the judge of the universe to help us do this in such a way that we would protect each other from our worst selves, no matter what came along. And that's why we have our systems of government. It isn't just geography. It's not just mountains and rivers and valleys and boundary lines. It isn't just a feudal system of tough guys who had a lot of property back in the 1800s. Our system of government is established for a reason and a purpose. And it all flows from identity, from the creator and the redeemer. That's why when you read the Declaration of Independence, you find words that contain the core realities, the confession of reality of the American system. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Then the framers want to say, whenever that form of government fails to do what's best in the interest of the consent of the governed, it is the right, the responsibility of the people to reform that government in such a way as will suit their ultimate happiness. Mm -hmm. So this concept that how we live is in our hands under God is what brings us to a place where we say in our declaration of the, our, and our Pledge of Allegiance, we are one nation under God. It's so meaningful to hear, at least to someone who loves God. And we're living in a day, Dave, that... So many people, uh, you talk about reforming the government. It's very clear that there's an effort to do just that, but it's not under this same umbrella of loving God. It's not under even a recognition always of the fact that there is a God. And we are being told over and over and over to believe and accept things. And this seems to be happening today at an accelerated rate that would be against the word of God. And that's, that's what's so, I believe, shocking to so many people. Uh, they often, I often hear the question like this, how did we get here? And mm -hmm. I, I loved the way you framed, I believe, the answer to that earlier when you were uh, sharing. We're not strong. We're weak. And we're not strong enough to maintain even a good thing, are we? Well, and that cuts so against our pride. Because the greatest ancient myth from the garden is the idea that we're made in the image of God. That's the true part. But then the tempter came along and said, oh, come on. You're so close, you don't really need him. Do it your way, and it'll be pretty much just as good. Wow. And that's where death stepped in, because that's where sin and autonomy began, where we said, we'll, we'll sort of, we'll thank you very much, we'll take our goods and we'll leave. We'll do this in our own strength. Now, it is tremendously humbling in a world that sanctifies and attempts to deify humanity to acknowledge the fact there is a God and we are not him. 
But that's only because in our technological world where we are so dominated by media, we have so embraced the godless equation. It is so crashed in upon our minds. Paul says in the 12th chapter of Romans that we are not to conform to this age, to the spirit of this age, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Well, unfortunately, Mike, we have truly conformed to the anti-supernatural godless equation, which is the ancient myth from the garden. It's, it's the fact that many people, even those who, who confess Christian faith, are functional pagans in regards to the way that they live their lives. Right. Because they live as if God is in some upper story and he's on vacation and can't be bothered. And we're down here and we're on our own. We're in essence alone. That's another twisted form of autonomy. One is blatant rebellion, where we just say, hey, we're going to do it our way. We don't care. The other is to say, oh, yeah, 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 there's a God up there. We get all that. We know how to play the game. We know how to use the right words. We, we celebrate Christmas and Easter. We, you know, we will go to church, give some bucks to charity every now and then. And, you know, we're going to be careful not to say really nasty words in public. And, and, and we'll use our blinkers, okay? Uh, so so that, makes us, <laughs> that makes us Christian. But in reality, we're walking around as functional pagans, and and uh, that doesn't work. It just it never has, and it never will. It doesn't. It doesn't work. And part of the reason why it doesn't work is because we are not God, like you said. We don't think like God. And there's a whole group of people right now who's pushing this uh, notion out that we're to do things again that are against the Lord, and expecting us to just suddenly believe it. Things like transgenderism and uh, things that are, are going on in that regard. It, it, and then we have other issues that have come on more recently, like uh, the vaccine, for example. And I don't know if you saw this, but there is a video that's going out about the president who has told all of us, and it's especially offensive, I think, to those of us in Florida who have gone through the hurricane recently. Uh, that the thing we really need, the best way that we can prepare for the hurricanes that come on is to be vaccinated. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen that? It, no, I haven't. But <laughs> it's, it, you know, Mike, I, it was, it's interesting because I, I just was in a conversation with someone who's been very highly placed in, uh, uh, let's just say, in uh, space research in our government for a career we were talking yesterday and uh about how correct johns hopkins had the covid question in the beginning when they diagnosed this as a corona style virus that would be non-lethal for the vast majority of people uh, but because it was new we would have to basically go through it to develop our natural immunities uh, but that we should not overreact to this because we would get through this but recognizing that for people who do have significant health issues now, any new form of a virus is dangerous and could be lethal. That was the balanced approach that we, we started. And then we started to speculate as to how politicians got so frightened out of control and the special interests stepped in and seized the day. Uh, and, and basically the absurdity of the lockdown mentality and what it ended up doing to our economy and what it's done really to our mindset. History will look back and see that the pressure of the godless equation was building in American society for generations. And when COVID came, these giants among men who considered themselves godlike creatures before COVID went cowering 
into the den of total fear over a virus that in almost all instances, the vast majority of instances, people would survive. Yes. And they went into a total, absolute end of the world panic. And it it brought consequences too, didn't it? Well, the consequences we're still feeling to this day. Uh, It's a deep, it was a, it was a very, very significant tipping point in our culture. Now, this is not to say that we can't return to sanity and decency and love of neighbor and self-respect and respect for one another. But our country was significantly abused by the political process, by big pharma, and by the institutions of organized medicine that exists to manipulate billions of dollars annually, people were left behind in that equation. And this might, this speaks the notion of justice and the fallen nature of man, Mm -hmm. because in the pressure time is when integrity is revealed. And what we saw is there were people who would disrespect their neighbor, take away their liberty, even their their freedom, their economics, and in some cases, because of the absurdity of the whole process, there were people who died as results of the lockdowns, people who were denied medical care, people who were too frightened to even get to a hospital, people whose lives were shortened and the quality of their life dramatically diminished. They lost their life. They lost their property because politicians panicked. They absolutely panicked. And, and that's America at her worst. And, and, and Mike, I hate to tell you, but there's a lot of Christians who to this day will still defend that panic, who will still defend that submission to government blindly when you're afraid. No, that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches God is our refuge. God is our strength. And the truth and justice come from him. And what it really told us is there is a tremendous dearth of courage, courage of conviction in our country. And if that the consequences of COVID have been significant. And yes, many lives have been lost statistically, scientifically, and medically that might well have been lost from any new form of a virus that had come along. But what we really lost, well, maybe we didn't lose it. Maybe what we really discovered is how long ago we lost our courage. That's a great point. Wow. We lost it a long time ago because this has been uh, not just a uh, last couple of years scenario. This thing's been unfolding, but uh, it has seemingly reached a, a new peak of um, exponential growth and uh, awareness. And, and, and you know, I, you made uh, this reference earlier about the Constitution. And before we take a break, I want to I want to have your response to this. Uh, you you talked about the fact that it's listed in our Constitution that uh, that the population, that the citizens of this country have that right to reform the government if we ever start to break away from the original directions of what was intended by the f- framers. We thought, it, you know, the original concept of our Constitution came at a great battle, at a great fight. And uh, it's right there in the pages that if that if ever we start going down another direction that we can uh, reform it, which is going to take another battle. Do you think America right now in this time of lack of courage, do you think Americans have it within us to do that? 
Well, the Declaration says it this way, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So we have the obligation to do the right thing. And, and I guess the question, I always, I always try to look for illustrations to answer your question, Mike. It's a big question. Let's just say this, I believe in hobbits. I see the God of the Bible who works through remnants always to create great societal change. And whether we're talking about fiction written in a Christian worldview like Tolkien's work or Lewis's work, or we're talking about true history like the story of Gideon and how God used a small remnant to transform society then, God always works through people who are willing to completely surrender to him no matter how large or how small their number is. Mm -hmm. And when he works with those people, however weak <laughs> or small they are, there's an automatic majority, isn't there? Well, now that's a very significant point we can come back to because truth is its own majority. And we didn't invent truth, and it'll be here long after we're gone. The real question is, do, as Christians, do we believe the Bible enough to believe what it says about God's care for this earth, that God so loved the world. He hasn't stopped loving the world. He loved this world. He gave his only begotten son. He loves this world, and that which he loves, he does not forsake. Mm -hmm. And that's a promise that we can hold not just today, not just now, but throughout our entire life. And that is something to remember. And boy, uh, God give us more courage. And uh, we'll continue this with Dave in just a moment. This is uh, Afternoons with Mike. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. Don't go away. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit greenflagfranchise.com. That's greenflagfranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back again now with Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. We are kind of continuing this chat about justice. And Dave, we were discussing earlier in segment one, uh, what that means. And before we began to the program, you and I were talking about different scripture verses that deal with the justice of God. And that's something that I find great comfort in whenever I look at the injustices that are happening right now in our country, uh, in our own lives. Uh, it's like a daily thing, uh, outlandish statements that are being made. I mean, it, we, it's hard to get away from some of the craziness that's going on. But that's where I believe going back to the Word of God and going back to even a daily devotion is so important for us all because that moors us to something that is solid, something that is true. Like you said, truth is a majority of its own. 
the going back to the word about God's justice really brings comfort, doesn't it? Well, there's a passage in the scripture, Mike, um, in Proverbs that says, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. Let me repeat, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. Now, instantly people go, are you saying people who don't agree with you are evil? No, I'm saying I'm evil. I'm a fallen human being prone to sin at all times and only have hope because of the visitation, the incarnation, the ministry, the atoning death of Jesus Christ and his shed blood and his resurrection. I need a savior. Now, walking in the light of the new birth and his spirit, there's hope for even sinners like me to come to know God well enough and that he would come and dwell in me and that his image would be restored in me and that I could live in accordance with his justice and accordance with his will, but not without my personal acknowledgement and repentance that on my own, I'm stuck. Mm -hmm. And now I can be the most caring, kind, polite, uh, cookie baking neighbor in the world. And without Christ, I'm still lost. And because I'm still lost and operating out of a fallen, lost, dark nature, I may strive for justice with all my heart. I may give away all myself to be burned. I may give all my money away. I may live my life totally surrendered to charitable good causes and miss the mark because this isn't about our autonomy and our accomplishments and us trying to displace God. It's about us being his children and surrendering to his will. And this is the most distasteful message to modern man. But it's not just modern man, it's all man. We don't want to believe there's someone over us until we get into trouble. Then we either curse this mythical figure because he permits bad things to happen, when in fact what we should be doing is thanking him every day that the wrath of a fallen world doesn't crash upon every one of us and give us what we truly deserve. But we have come to believe in the autonomous, wondrous goodness of humanity. And that is simply an ancient myth. It's the same pitch and lie that was given to us in the garden. Now, there's a lot, and I, I'm sorry to say, when the, when the gospel is clear and says that the cross of Christ is an offense to humans, it's an offense because it tells us we cannot do this on our own. Now, right. what's ironic is kids get this. Kids, the, look at the human in our, in our most virtuous, innocent self. Look at the three-year-old, the four-year-old. Look at even, even the terrible two-year-old. Look at children and look at their innocence and their joy. Look at kids who understand the world is big and they are little. Remember where you were when the trees were tall and you were small. You knew that the world was bigger than you, that you didn't invent all this, that there had to be something here more than you. Jesus says, unless you change and become like a little child, you can't come into the kingdom. You'll never get in because we have to be small enough to acknowledge we are not God. We did not make this. We are not forever. We are not permanent. We are renters. He's the owner, and he's waiting for us to open the door and surrender. And when we do, what we find out is that we were made to be like him, 
and a part of his family. And yes, we are made to be creative like him. We are made to be eternal like him. And we are even made to govern in his kingdom. He has a place and a role for us, but we must accept the fundamental reality. And this is what repentance is all about, that there is a God and we're not him and that he gets to define the terms. And this is the most horrible message in a culture built upon autonomy. And this is what we're fighting against. This is why so much of what happens in our churches is irrelevant, because we won't attack the core issue. And that is that we're the ones with the problem, not God. You know, this uh, discussion that you had with uh, the interview is so good. Man, David McCullough, who recently passed away, and uh, the author, uh, historian, who wrote the book 1776. I've been enjoying that so much. And we listened, my wife and I, listened to your uh, interview that you did with him. And, he, you know, in the book, he talks about the people of uh, our country at its founding, uh, those that were in the Northeast, those that were around the Boston area, uh, they were not exactly uh, a, a great bunch of, uh, let's say, strong, believing, disciplined people that fought this early war to give us the freedom in this country, were they? Well, they had a true biblical worldview. And you study John Adams and you study George Washington and you really read their words. They knew that they were completely dependent upon God for deliverance for America. They knew that. They knew they were completely overwhelmed. They had no chance. They had no hope. And they were facing tyranny. And it, this was tyranny from the family. They were part of the British colonial system, and, and they weren't just upset about taxation. They were upset about representation, and they found out that when they crossed the king, suddenly this person in a godlike character decided that he would take out his anger upon them. And the things that happened to them over a significant period of time, they considered to be abuses. Mm -hmm. And they were willing to accept the fact that even though they were fallen with God's help, they were still called to self-government. So they called upon the creator. They confessed the creator and the redeemer in everything that they did. And they pleaded for the right given by God of self-government. They literally went to war so that they could take responsibility over their own lives and over their own country. Now, this is an amazing reality because today, God forgive us, and it hurts so much to say this, it seems like at every turn, what we as Americans are doing is fleeing responsibility. We want an administrative state to take care of us and give us whatever we want. We'll trade half of our lives, half of our incomes, half of our days in exchange for government to take away our responsibility or political parties to take away our responsibility for participation in the process. Everywhere we turn, it seems that we wanna shut off the responsibility of loving our neighbor as ourselves and let somebody else do it so we can maintain our own lifestyles and our own hobbies, even our own religious practices left alone. Now, Mike, I gotta tell you, it doesn't work. It doesn't. We can, we can try it. We can try it again. It's been tried before, but it doesn't work. I mean, this is why the work of the American Policy Roundtable as missionaries to America is a difficult work because we tell people every single day what they don't want to hear because we first have to face it in the mirror ourselves every day. But this is what happens when you live in a culture that is so dominated by entertainment, so dominated by media and messaging, so dominated by prosperity, 
you begin to believe you can build an alternate universe of pleasure that basically makes God irrelevant. That all works until the diagnosis comes mm -hmm. and someone you love is incurable. That all works until a tragedy happens and you realize that in spite of all of our nonsensical, mythological, fraudulent notions that we can control this climate, there are forces of nature that humans cannot control. They can barely predict, they certainly can't control. Sometimes you realize life really is rotten. And then the, the, to, to, to the unbeliever to, and to the cynic and the skeptic, they cry out against some eternal majesty who would dare permit this sort of horror in the universe, when instead we should be thanking God that he is merciful and, and, and restrains all of this and, and sets such balance and order in the universe that these are the exceptions, not the rule. Instead of being thankful for the common grace that we get to walk in this earth at all levels, in every nation, every skin color, every economic, every climate, that we have the opportunity to seek and discover God, the one from whom we came, to find out how it is. It, it, it's just this whole concept of the necessity of conversion and repentance in our nation is the reason we're in so much trouble. We need to repent. That's so good. We do. We need to repent. You know, I think about the Bible verse that says, in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And what you're describing right there is just that. We have become kind of lazy. We're, we love comfort. We love what we want. And you're right. It, there is a delusion that it works for a while until it doesn't. And that uh, until it doesn't phrase is going to come to every individual in this life, right? Well, and I know this sounds like a, a pathetic message to the hardcore secularist who says, what a what a ridiculous man. what men need to repent repent for what this 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 creature on a throne that throws lightning bolts and hurricanes at people i mean you know the heck with him and they use a lot of other terms that we can't use on radio you know we'll we'll go at our own way that's fine but remember something the hurricane gets us all eventually mm -hmm. reality gets us all eventually no one has control over the next breath. No one, we, we live in such a false illusion that we are alone in the universe, but every morning the sun rises, it proves we're not alone because we didn't make that sunrise. And every day that sun sets, it proves the illusion. We didn't make that sunset. We didn't do, when you study the nature of this world and you look at the incredible intricate design and that we are here on a razor's edge of statistical odds, all set in what is really a natural perfection, even in a fallen structure. And you ask yourself, where did that come from? Then you ask yourself the big question. Now, look, where did I come from? I know this is scary stuff, Mike. This unnerves people. And for people that are listening today who stumbled across this program, who've never encountered the question of biblical faith in the person of Christ, as the glass is fracturing all around you and you want to run with total fear, let me just share a verse with you that makes all the difference to me. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Yeah, he consists. Left to, left to our own devices, we break everything. Left to our own devices, we're like kids who can't put the broken glass back together again. But Jesus Christ came to reassemble us as people, as individuals, as families, in right relationships, 
in communities and in nations. And he is the hope of liberty and justice, that if we surrender to him, he will teach us how to love our neighbors. We love ourselves. Perfect example, I think C.S. Lewis gave in the abolition of man. He said, it doesn't matter what culture you go to or what people group you're dealing with over what period of time. All humanity has always known it's wrong to cut in line. <laughs> Inside us is designed a place for justice. And our heart never rests until we find that place. The only place that that really exists where you can truly find justice is in the light of the revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. When we wake up and we see that, and we realize that we have drifted, and that is a, a good way to, to say it. I think Americans, even those that, that love the Lord and have loved the Lord, uh, the drift is possible for us all, and we can wake up one morning and find ourselves that we, uh, like Laodicea, we've, we've uh, kind of, or, or the uh, church at Ephesus, I guess it was, lost a first love. And that when that happens, when we realize we've lost uh, that that a uh, place it, we do have to repent. We have to come back, and to come back that takes humility, and that humility is a good start. It would be great if those that are believers in Jesus would come back to the Lord and say, "We've we've we're broken, we have lost our way. Have mercy upon us." A big difference would be made in our country. Well, we've talked about plurality for so long that we believe that Jesus is one choice among many, but none of the other choices are risen from the dead, Mike. That's right. <laughs> Only the Lord. <laughs> we need to come back to him. Oh, Dave, this is, this is so good. One of the verses I had mentioned to you that I love when it comes to this discussion is that uh, from Micah chapter 6, verse 8, he has told you, O oh man, what is good, and he has. He's given us that through his word. And then it goes on to say, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So people listening again, and I know that many, many people listen, tune into your program, and they should because it's a wonderful program. and We really enjoy it. We'll come back and say, well, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait a second. Are you saying that to be a good American, you have to be a Christian? No. Are you saying that that to 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 uh, be a positive citizen and to make a contribution, you have to be a Christian? No, not at all. You don't have to ever be a Christian. Our government will never compel you to be Christian. There's nothing in our structures that compel you to a religious test. What I'm saying is, if you want to have the real answers, if you want to really know justice, life, and truth, you can't step over Jesus. That tomb is empty for a reason. And I challenge everyone to look inside, to look into the revelation of truth, to find peace of mind. Now, I will say that the people who put together the Declaration of Independence closed it with the words appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. They did in the name and the authority of the good people of the colonies declare this Declaration of Independence. Hmm. They looked to that judge. That's who they look to, and I think it worked out pretty good for them. It did, and it will work out for us if we return to him too. Judge 
just judgment begins. It says at the house uh, at the uh, at the house of God, and so it if it's to be, it should happen first of all in us, and we as believers must recognize that and repent and walk humbly before the Lord. My guest is Dave Zanotti. We'll be back with him for one more segment, and we're going to be talking about iVoters.com when we return. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. It's always a pleasure to have my friend Dave Zanotti on the line with us. Dave hosts The Public Square, which is a wonderful program that discusses the things that are going on, not only in our country, but in the word and that we need to know and how it impacts and how it affects every person in the public square. And along with him, he has a roundtable of wonderful individuals like uh, Wayne Shepard, who I just I so admire what that guy does. He's a radio guy turned uh, minister turned broadcaster, uh, turned host of his own program. And he, along with the other team members like Melanie that you have and Alan, they're always just coming up with thought-provoking words that we can listen to and be challenged. And I am always, it's one of our favorite points of the day to listen to what the roundtable is saying. So thank you for being with us here one more time, Dave. Uh, always a privilege, Mike. We couldn't do it without the good folks that support the Shepherd Radio Network. So I thank you for everyone that listens to your program and supports the effort at every level, whether it's advertisers or contributions or whatever they do, or telling a friend to listen in. I, I really do appreciate it. Now, something about that group of people that join us around the table and that have been a part of this mission to America for going on 43 years now, we don't just talk about public policy which is what happens most of the times on cable news and sadly too often on, uh, on radio as well. We do public policy, uh, whether it rega- regards the legislative branch, whether it regards litigation, whether it involves writing laws. I mean, Mike, one of my first trips to, to Florida in 1992 came after working with the state of Florida, with people in the state of Florida and 14 other states on writing constitutional amendments and legislative statutes for term limits in America. And, and we do the work of public policy and have been for 43 years across a wide array of issues, many of which never reach the headlines. So we know what it's like to write laws, to promote good laws, to fight bad laws, to be in court, to be involved in the electoral process, the judicial process, the balance of powers at state and local governmental areas. When issues come by, we get involved. And when elections come by, we encourage others to get out there and vote as a matter of your civic responsibility, because freedom isn't free and neither is love of neighbor. It is impossible to say that I love my neighbor 
in the American system of government and not participate in civic government at some level. Because our neighbor is placed, the welfare of our neighbor, as well as ourselves and our families, is placed in our hands. And so if we go hide that talent and bury it in a napkin and bury it in the ground and never participate in the process, we are forsaking the gift of liberty that we were given that creates opportunity for loving our neighbors at every level. I'll make it as simple as I can. I don't Don't know how you do it, but you do tie in the Word of God so wonderfully to even public policy. And our great country was not a stranger to the Word of God in the beginning. Uh, It's sadly uh, increasingly so today. But I love the way that you are able to kind of look at that 42-year history that you have with American public policy, and you dovetail it with, with what the Word of God says that should affect us all. Well, Jesus is before all things, and he holds all things together, including how my garbage gets picked up. Now, some people say, well, that's offensive. You're saying that the Lord of the universe cares about the garbage service in my neighborhood? You better believe he does, because you want to make sure you get people praying and upset and worked up. Just have the garbage service fail for two weeks in your neighborhood. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Or have the internet go out and watch how spiritual the community suddenly becomes. Or have to face the natural fallen reality of humanity in something like a hurricane, which we've all just been through again. And going back to 1992, we've been through this uh, in my time in Florida a lot. And, and so we understand that we've actually gotten kind of good at this in regards to how to look out for each other and how to take care of one another. This is the way. So, so yes, Mike, because we can hold all these things together because Jesus holds them all together. He's the one who does it. Now let's talk about iVoters. iVoters is a lot of things, but the I stands for independent. It also could stand for I as in me. It could stand for a lot of things that start with the letter I, but what it is is a nonpartisan site that pays no mind to political parties and simply gives people the facts about where candidates and incumbents stand on issues. It gives you an opportunity to put in your address, uh, your street address. It doesn't even require your name. It's an online voting information site that actually began in print in 1980, went online in 1998. It's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, online voter information service in America. And it's been utilized by people for, for at some level, certainly online since 1998. So iVoters.com is run through the American Policy Roundtable, which is a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, non-sectarian, nonpartisan organization. When you put your address in, we don't collect it. We simply use the address. We don't even have your name associated with it. to trigger up for you a sample ballot. When you put your address in, it'll show you the races that you will be voting on, whether you're voting absentee, whether you're voting in person, uh, whenever you vote, the information is there from the state rep the whole way to the White House. You'll have a chance to look at candidates. Now, it's not every candidate on your on your ballot. We don't have the technology yet or the or the money to be able to get the whole way to the end of the ballot. But we'll start on the races from in Florida, from your legislative races on up and you'll get pictures where the candidates provide them. You'll get uh, you'll get uh, information in regards to their biographies, where they went to school, backgrounds, et cetera, family information. You'll get access to their web pages, and then you'll get an opportunity to visit a section that shows 
where major organizations on the left and on the right um, view these candidates, who endorses them and who does not endorse them. So what happens is you've got a handful of candidates. So you've got uh, 15 or 20 that you have to take a look at. You can quickly pick the ones that you identify as most important to you. Do the background, take out a piece of paper and pencil or use your phone notes, and you can list down reasons why you want to support the following people. Walk in, vote with confidence, knowing that you've matched up your best choices with what's available. It's a one-stop shop that can get you a whole lot of information that you can share with other people that can be used in churches and libraries and corporations because there's nobody carrying the water for this thing from any candidate or campaign. And you can simply make the process a lot easier. Now, we've been doing it for a long time. People use it all over the country. Uh, there was a time when NPR was going through a few years ago ranking online voting information sites. And I voters listed in the top five in the in the country mm. from, from an NPR review. And one of the fundamental reasons they said is it works. So this system can help save you a lot of time and give you the ability to vote with confidence. The single big, biggest reason we find that people don't vote, too, is one is they don't believe their vote counts. And that's just wrong because, you know, there's a Senate race right now that's going on in uh, the state of Pennsylvania. Yes, with Dr. Oz, yeah. Yes, Dr. Oz and, and, and John Fetterman. Mr. Fetterman began as the mayor of Bradford, Pennsylvania, a small town of a few thousand people. He was first elected to public office and won by a majority of one vote. Today, well, he's running for the U.S. Senate. And that one vote in the U.S. Senate could change the entire direction of the Senate. Don't tell me your vote doesn't matter because history proves you're wrong. Your vote does matter. The second reason people don't go is because they're afraid they're going to make a mistake. I get that. And I, I feel you. <laughs> All right? You don't want to make a mistake. And that's why a lot of people skip races where they know nothing. Well, at least from the state rep level up, you can know something and you can go in and vote with confidence. Even if you decide you can't stand either of the candidates, there's not a third alternative and you're not going to vote the race at all. OK, we get that. Now, at least you're participating with a level of confidence. So it's not that you always have to choose the lesser of two evils. Sometimes you'll choose none of the above. That's your right. And nobody should know about it but you. That's your privilege in this country and your responsibility. But you can almost always find at least one person who's going to forward an agenda of justice and righteousness. And, and that's worth a shot. And you can go and make a difference for that one vote because that one vote might turn out to be a Senate race someday. And it has been proven that that's what's happening with Fetterman right now. Just like you right said, now. one vote. And we know of a lot of elections in Florida in the last couple of cycles that have been uh, decided by uh, amazingly small margins. And, you know, the whole thing that happened, oh my goodness, we talked about this in another program one time, but the special election in Georgia that turned over the Senate uh, that was done because a lot of registered voters who did vote in the 2020 election uh, just a, a little bit later did not vote in that special election. Had we they, must, it would have turned everything around. We must never forget the one of the most historic elections in the history of our country in the year 2000 that deter, was determined by 537 votes in Florida. A large number of, not most, but a large number of congressional races, Mike, are determined every year by less than 5% of the vote. Wow. 
That's amazing. So this is a big deal. So iVoters can help. That's it. It's a simple pitch. We're not asking you for money. We don't solicit money. We, I mean, if people want to contribute to help, we always need the help. The site would be far more utilized if we had the money to do it. We have invested millions of dollars and man hours to create a site that truly works and can help a lot of people. The only reason more people don't use it is because they don't know about it, because we don't raise tons of dollars to advertise it and we don't sell it, but it's there. The greatest advertisement that we're interested in is one person telling another person where to find a piece of bread, because this can really help you. Well, that's a great resource, friends. iVoters.com. Go there. Like you said, no personal information is gathered other than just your address, because that's obviously necessary for the uh, abilities to find out what races are going on in our individual area. But your name is not there. Your private information is not gathered. Uh, it's all there for your knowledge and uh, the safe keeping in your own heart, and you can find out this information that is critical for us all. We've only got enough time here, Dave, to uh, just get the word real quick from you on what is uh, kind of around the corner for APR, the American Policy Roundtable, and the Public Square. What's happening? Well, we got to finish up this election strong. We'll keep our focus right there, Mike. And then coming right at, right coming after that on the public square is is we'll move to the, the wonderful season of Thanksgiving and Christmas. And there's so many wonderful programs ahead, including Christmas in America this year on the public square, which you just don't want to miss. Uh, it, it's going to be a beautiful program. And we're working at that at the same time. iVoters is now in, in play and we've got to get through this election. So for right now, I'm going to say what's around the corner for us is November. What's around the corner for us is getting through this election cycle and then taking a new look at where we're going to go into the next two years. Because, Mike, within the next five election cycles, with ten, within the next 10 years, we'll determine the destiny of this country, whether we will return to a constitutional republic or whether we will surrender to an administrative state. We're like COVID. We are told what to do, when to do, where to do it, how to do it, and what we're going to pay for it. And, and I don't think that as, as, as a country we can survive even 10 more years if we don't change the way we look at our government and our personal responsibility. Well, again, let it begin, and let it begin with me. Let it begin with us. For our listeners, it needs to begin with you, and I pray that it does. Dave, thank you for being with me today one more time on our program here. It's always a joy to have you along. Thank you, Mike. I treasure your friendship. And friends, thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike. Mike.